My name is Kathy Reid. And I'm Scarlett Altman. And today we are joined by choreographer and teacher Amy Ireland. Hiya. Hello. How are you? I'm okay. You look fabulous. No, thank you. <laughs> For those of you that can't see, Amy has like the best hair. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. It's Wait. quite it's quite mild. See, this is what I remember you as, like always having like funky yeah. hair. I think it was bright red yeah. before. And then blue and then pink, pink. and green, yeah. I think. Yeah. I mean, why not? Live your best life. I like, know, but this is this is this can be managed it. with a baby, so yeah. this is where it is. I love it. Amazing. <laughs> Absolutely love it. So Amy, we always start with a word association game. Oh, so the first thing that comes into your head. Are you ready? Okay. Creativity. Dance. Empty studio. Dance. Teething. Gauge. Choreography. Music. Crawling. Oh, (laughs) stalled. (laughs) Crawling. Fun. Motherhood. Scary. Ice cream. Yummy. Tax return. Ah! (laughs) Holiday. Fun times. Oh, yeah. You going holiday this year? I think we're going to try and go camping, which I'm totally up for. Like something that's a bit relaxed and not too far from home if there's something happens, you know. So perfect. Yeah, I'm quite up for that. Love it. That'd be really sweet. (laughs) For sure. So, um, chat to us about you. You are a dancer and a choreographer and a dance teacher. Um, Where did your passion for dancing and the creative arts start? Uh, Well, I I started dancing when I was two and a half, three, I think it was. Um, But my earliest memory is watching cats on VHS in my living room. And just I just remember looking at that and thinking, that's what I want to do. So I always knew from that point onwards that that was my goal was cats. Even when I went to birds, that was my goal. I wanted to do cats. but yeah, so I think it stemmed from quite an early age, but my my nan was a dancer. She she danced when she was young and that for vet for financial reasons that had to come to a standstill. Mm. She couldn't continue training. Um, so I but I'm the only one in my family who's uh, in the arts. Um, so I guess I got it from my nan and, and no you know, nobody else did. It kinda of stopped there really. Um, so I think that's where it's from. I know that's when I, I realised that's what I wanted to do. Um, and I guess that's what led me where I am. Great. I love, when did you start choreography? When did you do that kind of swept over? I, I, I say I stopped. I didn't, I didn't intentionally stop. It's just life took over. And yeah. um, I mean, you know what it's like. You're auditioning and you're trying to earn money at the same time to pay for those auditions and this, that and the other. And the auditions, a lot of the auditions at the time that were coming up, I wasn't, I knew I wasn't quite interested in enough to pull me away from earning money to pay rent. Mm -hmm. So then my work developed um, and dancing kind of took a bit of a back seat. I mean, I would take class whenever I could, but obviously the more I was working, the more money was coming in, it was getting me out of debt that's quite a nice feeling so therefore you end that kind of ends up taking over and at the time I my boyfriend was I was with an Italian boyfriend and we spent a lot of time in Italy and decided to go and stay out there for a while when I went over there obviously I had no job I had nothing to do I was enjoying life so I went back into the studio and started dancing again and I don't think I realised how much I missed it until I was doing that. And I, I kid you not, I was doing a Deborah Payne second in the centre and went, 
why am I not doing this? Oh, I love that. Why, why, am I, why am I not pursuing this? And I took that away and thought, okay, I don't know what I'm going to do because it, it feels like I've been out of dance for quite a long time. Um, but I, didn't, I need to do something. Yeah. So what actually happened was I left Italy and moved back to Portsmouth. So I went back home. and I had no home, no money, no job. And I went back to my old dance school and I went, okay, this is what I want to do. I need your help. And then the ball started rolling from there. So yeah. going back into a kind of ISTD environment kind of thing to a school where free, um, freestyle was very popular. I mean, she, she, she rarely went by the book. Mm-hmm. She would do a little bit of ISTD and then she would create her own work. Always, always, always. That then led a kind of inspiration for me to go, actually, I quite like... I don't want to be the performer, actually. I know I want to dance, but I don't think I want to be the performer. I think I want to be behind the scenes a bit more. So that's where it kind of developed. Great. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's a bit that. long-winded, but no, that's where no. it kind of that's where it kind of went with the choreographing and then obviously I set up a a, a um, non-profit organization to provide dance classes and training for ex-dancers like myself that mm-hmm. at the time that's what I classed myself an ex-dancer a teacher a student in the local area where they could continue training and didn't feel like they had to go back to yeah. a dance school to do that with teenagers yeah. so then we started to get asked to could we provide a performance for a community event that was going on and then that's again that then took the choreography up to another level and then another level and then another level yeah. and then Eventually, I ended up back in London, so... Yeah, amazing. I love it. So, can you talk us through your own mental health journey? I had... I don't want to say an episode, because that makes it sound a bit weird, but I had a bad breakup with a boyfriend uh, back in... Jeez, I don't even know when it was, but we're talking like 2000, right, the millennium we were together. So I was 21 when we broke up. So you're talking around that early 2000. Um, and I have still to this day have no idea why he, he left, but he did. We were engaged. And at the time being 18, you know, you think you've made the right decision. It clearly was not the right decision, but at the time we thought it was. Um, and that sent me on a spiral. Uh, and I remember I'd gone out for lunch with some friends and I had one red square I remember this so vividly and I'm drinking this red square you know we're not out to get drunk we're just having lunch Um, and I remember thinking I haven't listened to a word they've just said at all it's all kind of gone past me and I remember thinking just get up and go to the toilet just kind of you know shake it off a bit Mm. and I sat on the toilet and I just went really dizzy and I thought, okay, this is really odd. Maybe I don't feel very well. And I remember going back downstairs and literally saying, like going straight into their conversation and going, I'm going to go home. I don't feel very well. Picking up my bag and I left. And in Portsmouth, we have an area called the Guildhall Square. It's kind of a nice, nice square it is. And I remember getting into the middle of that and sitting on the floor and being like, oh, I can't go any further. And I remember calling my dad, who I knew was picking up my mum from work, roughly, at that time. And I was like, you're going to have to come and get me. I can't move. 
And I managed to make it to the car and I managed to make it home, but I had no idea, I had no idea what on earth that was. It's never, for me, that that sense of panic tends to be a complete shutdown. It's just everything just, boom, and it's gone. I don't, in those days, I never got heart palpitations or anything mm. like that. It was just a, kind of like a spinning out without it being frightening, so to speak. It was just, yeah. it, everything just shut down. Um, and then it escalated from there, really. It would, I associated panic attacks with alcohol. So I didn't drink for 11 years. Didn't touch a drop at all. I didn't go out to a, strangely enough, I worked in the bar industry, yeah. but I couldn't socialize in the bar industry. Mm-hmm. Um, so if someone said to me, come and meet me for a drink before you go to work, I'd be like, no, no, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that, that then kind of developed into a, I think what they call a social anxiety where the thought of leaving the house to go to work took two hours of preparation. You know, I would, I remember being on the tube with a very good friend of mine, being on the platform and her talking to me and being like, I need you to be quiet. I can't cope with what you're saying and what's going on. And the heat and the crowd and busy and all of that. And it was, it, but I, I did it, I did it. Yeah. But I probably went through a jar of calms every few days. Oh, wow. And, yeah. I mean, that was a constant thing. Again, I think it, it becomes a, if I take those, I know I'll be able to get through it. I'll have the strength to get through that. So I'm just going to keep doing that. So it was like a morning, two of them, afternoon, two of them, evening, two of them. And I would do that for pretty much 11 years. Oh, until... Until I thought, I'm tired, really tired of dealing with this. Uh, luckily for me, it was, I never, those panic attacks got less and less and less to the point where I didn't have a panic attack. It would just be complete anxiety. And even now, talking to you, in the back of my head, that my head is saying to me, are you rambling? Are you making any sense? Are they thinking you're stupid? Not at all. But that's the anxiety. No, that's no. the... Actually, I've lost track of... Instead of just being able to say... I've lost track of what I was saying, which yeah. I'm starting to be able to tell myself to do now. Yeah. I would just panic about that because I would then think, oh, oh, oh I'm making a fool of myself. Oh, oh. So, therefore, you can't communicate with people on the outside because it's just better if you don't because then you won't feel anxious about it. So it's, I think uh, as I've got older and I've learned more and more about anxiety and I've listened to other people's experiences with anxiety, the more I've, the more I've seen my journey and how my anxiety has changed, depending on how I'm coping with something, would then depend on like how that anxiety, anxiety changes throughout my life. I don't think I'll ever lose it, yeah. to be honest. Mm-hmm. I think once anxiety's there, it's always going to be there. It's just all about how you deal with it yeah. and how you keep changing to deal with it, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just the situation that you're in and your circumstances. Yes. 
it's how it's affecting mm. yeah. your mental health yeah. for sure. That makes complete sense. Yeah. So, I mean, I did have. Sorry, go on. I was just going to say, I did have um, cognitive therapy. therapy. That's it. I did try that in 2012. I remember because I remember where I was living. Um, and I remember her saying to me, I can't really help you because you know the answers. Everything you're, she said, she said the length of time that you've been dealing with this, you've already made up your own ways to to deal with certain mm-hmm. situations, like walking along the street and the floor feeling like it's just gone to mush, yeah. you know. Um, and she talked a lot about mindfulness and grounding and things like that. And and I said to her, but I think I'm doing that already because I do this. And she's like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. You're already using coping mechanisms to get to get through the experience that you're having so continue with those and that's although that was satisfying and i was grateful for for that kind of validation that's pretty much where it stopped until i until i then went to the doctors and said yeah. i need more help yeah what what uh, further help did you get and did that well i now have taken Propranolol for a long time. Um, I would say maybe 2011. I started taking propranolol, mm-hmm. and a friend, a very good friend of mine, suggested it because she said it doesn't mess with your brain. It just, it just um, uh, uh, monitors the heart rate. It just keeps that heart pumping at a particular rate. It doesn't let it escalate. So even though you might feel anxious, it doesn't escalate any further into a panic attack because the heart rate doesn't jump in and start going up. Yeah. Um, so the downside to that is is that you're still anxious. Yeah. And those that thought process is still you're still fighting that thought process. Uh, but the upside is is that it's like a little safety blanket. It just it gives you just a little bit more time to go, okay, and hang on a second, Amy. Just hold on. Everything's fine. Ground yourself into the floor. Look at the scenario. Look at the the where you are. Bring yourself back down again before it just flies off the handle. And then you have children. And then all of that goes out the window. <laughs> and now I'm at a point where... I go, okay, maybe maybe I need to do something else. Maybe something yeah. else needs to happen now. Maybe that's not enough now. Yeah. It's mm. great. Mm. Yeah, I was going to ask, would, um, obviously you've had this, uh, like, uh, your whole life, you've got an incredible kind of knowledge now about how to deal with anxiety. Yes, yeah. Um, could you offer any advice to maybe someone who is in a position where it's just starting, they're having the panic attacks and they don't know kind of what route to go down or would you say it's personal to that person 100% personal uh, I, I, it is it is personal but if I could offer any kind of advice it would be from a personal level this yeah. is purely my own feelings on medication and that is if you are starting to struggle with anxiety first of all just try and don't, don't jump on the bandwagon of, I'm just going to go to the doctors and get some tablets. It might not be what you need. It might not be right for you. What 
what I would suggest is you, you try and look into mindfulness, look into that, yeah. look into the calm apps and things like that and headspace and yeah. just see if there's something else that can just give you a little you know tap on the back give you a little hug when you need it give you give you five extra minutes to go okay just everything's fine um i'm quite an anti taking medication i don't really know why or where it's come from but when it's been offered to me before i've gone no i don't want anything that messes with my brain i think that's partly through experience of seeing other people in similar situations um, and watching them deal with the, um, you know, coming off of medication mm. and or they've forgotten medication and things like mm. that. And it was never, at the time, it was never for me. That's slightly changed now. But at the time, it was never for me. But I do 100% think it's personal. You're not, I'm not that person. I don't know really what's going on um, and how bad it feels to that person. But I think on whatever level you're suffering with anxiety, when it starts to affect your day-to-day -day life, do something mm -hmm. about it. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, I recently asked the doctors about PND. It was a male doctor, but it was brushed off quite quickly. Uh, there's a card, get in touch with these people. It's a self-referral. Other than that, we can give you antidepressants, done. Wow, okay. So, so that's that's it then. That's just black and white, very much like that. I think it's this idea of medication, you know, that, that kind of like, well, you can have counselling or you can have medication. Yeah. What if what if I'm not ready for, for all of that? Surely there's some other support that mm -hmm. could be, should be, mm -hmm. for anybody, mum or no mum, should be available. Yeah. I think it's listening. There's a lack of listening. Yeah, I think especially there's... Obviously, the NHS are brilliant, but I feel like a lot of people, especially that reach out to us, say they have very kind of cold responses yes. from their GPs yeah. Yeah. Um, and a lack of understanding and yeah. just brushing it off, like you just said. I, th I think it's a time constraint thing as well. Like yeah. I remember going to the doctors um, in 2012 for one thing because I'd been unwell, and then I tried to talk to the doctor to be like, I'm really struggling. Yeah. And she went, I'm sorry, if you've got another issue, you're going to have to make a different appointment. And I left the room and I burst into tears and I called my mum and my mum's a GP. Helpful. Yeah, so I think that it's a it's a time. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And and although my experience on that particular occasion wasn't great, I do understand. I am starting to accept, not understand. I'm starting to accept that that men and women are totally different when mm. it comes to having children and things like that it's mm -hmm. just the way it is as much as it winds me up at times yeah. it it's just got to be accepted so I have to accept that that a male's perception of me perhaps as I walk in the room and I'm talking about something else you know he may well be like postnatal depression I don't think so you seem absolutely fine yeah. well yes because I have to seem absolutely fine mm -hmm. I have no choice yeah. I have to keep. I have that little being there that requires my care, yeah. so I have to keep going. But it's okay. I might go home and cry my eyes out in a corner. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for that sensitive empathy.
absolutely. And I think that's the difference. He's, he, like I say, there's a card, self-refer. Antidepressants are great. Wonderful. Yeah. Okay. That's all. It's mad, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's, it's, yeah it is crazy. But I, I definitely think it, it, it is a personal thing. And, and But talking, talk, talk, talk. Yeah. I'm lucky. My friends, my family, all, when I say all, there are various members of my friends and family who suffer with anxiety from one extreme to the other. And I'm very lucky in the sense that we can talk to each other about absolutely anything. We can express ourselves in any way we want to. And there's no judgment and there is always support and there is always an open discussion. Mm -hmm. And I think that is also very helpful and therapeutic. Mm -hmm. I think a lot can be um, said for just talking you know if I can oh for goodness sake this happened the other day and it made me feel like this and you know and I was in a right old panic just you listening I've got that off of my chest and I'm now feeling calm therefore rational thinking comes into play and I may be actually able to figure out what the next step is on my own without having to ask somebody for help Um, so I do think talk as much as you can if you're not in a position where you have anyone you can talk to then then find a group yeah. you know contact healthy minds speak to somebody who may be able to to listen yeah absolutely. but talking is also very good but if you're at a point where you know you feel you def- desperately need something then yeah go for it yeah absolutely I was going to ask, obviously, um, you're a teacher and you teach at various drama schools um, across London. Um, is there enough support for teachers who may be suffering with mental health and that kind of educational I've never heard... I mean, as a, as a, as a teacher, you are um, uh, not bombarded, because that sounds quite aggressive, but you are... Uh, you, you do a lot with... Um, special needs of of the children and safeguarding that's the word I was looking for and but I've never heard I've never done any training where that's been translated for the teachers Mm. it's just for the children and there are lots of things that are lots of examples that are discussed in those kind of training scenarios where the impact that could have on a teacher is quite big but it's funny you mentioned that because no I've never I'm not aware of unless I went to a colleague and said wow that really made me feel like this I'm struggling with that now I guess that's how we get I guess that is how we actually get support is just by talking to colleagues yeah just wonder if there is I don't know of any yeah because we're we've done a talk at the Brett school and one thing came up was um, this particular teacher, Carl, I think it was, and she wanted to set something up so there was more support for yeah. teachers. And I'd never thought of that before. No. And if you think about all the safeguarding and help that does go into students, like especially now when people are getting more and more kind of on it and supporting yeah. the students, but it's like, but what about the teachers who yeah. literally have to... They have to hear it. Crack on. 
Literally, yeah, yeah, listen, yeah, hear, hear it, it and just get on with it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, even at Conte, I remember every singing lesson going in, and, and that was the moment I got everything out, yes. blah, 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 yeah. blah, talking. And it's like, who was there for that teacher when I was literally like... Offloading. Offloading, mm-hmm. yeah. And I think it's such a thing that's missing and something that... Yeah, I'm not, like, yeah. Even I mean, like a group once a month or something, or it is true to say. I mean, teachers. certainly for me as a teacher, in in particular places that I teach, students do feel that you're you. They can treat you like a bit of an agony aunt. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know, you say, "Hey guys, have you had a good week?" You know, how's things go? And then bam, that's it. Yeah. And before you know it, you're like, "Okay, can we get on with class yeah. now?" Mm-hmm. You know, and and you're quite right you forget that you've just you know these kids have just offloaded on you and perhaps you don't realize actually that that's having an impact on the rest of your day yeah. quite interesting yeah because i think there's a balance obviously like i think it's amazing that students can go to their teachers that they trust and say amy look i'm feeling like this mm. but i'm glad a bit of help mm. i think that's great but then i think there has to be some sort of other support there for of the course. teacher yeah or, mm-hmm. It's a hot mess, isn't it? It's, I think that would yeah. be quite nice to see, actually. Yeah. It doesn't have to be anything big, but I think the opportunity for teachers to offload would yeah. be quite good. Because I think, especially, like, therapists and counsellors, they meet, like, what is it, one once a month mm. um, to a supervisor to offload on everything that's happened with their clients. So why is that not the same for teachers when yeah. they're getting all that kind of pressure yeah. on them? I think it's quite... That's very interesting. Something to explore. Mm. So, let's go on to motherhood. <laughs> you have a gorgeous 14-month-old. Yes, yeah? really, yes, yeah. Gorgy. <laughs> um, so, motherhood and the industry is something that isn't spoken about enough. No. Um, can you talk us through your journey into motherhood? Massive question, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I'm 37 this year. And for me, certainly, it was a, okay, you need to crack on if you want to have more than one. You know, if you want. Yeah. Because. Gonna have another one. Well, well don't, don't, <laughs> don't hold me to that. <laughs> Having one is enough. Um, but, but yeah, I think I, I was getting to an age where I thought, I know it's not too late, I'm aware of that, but I also, I don't want to be an old mum, mm-hmm. you know, and most of my close friends who aren't in the industry but most of my close friends have already had they've got their family already set up and I don't want to miss out on that I'd like our children to all be the same kind of age so that was that was one thing career I'd spent a long time umming and ahhing about where my career was going and what I was going to do and it it took me a while to find where I belonged Mm. so then kind of having to play catch up a little bit, you know, whilst everybody else is in the West End or they're already teaching, I'm like, hey, can I come and teach for you? Can I do some choreographing? You're kind of, you know, clawing my way back up to a, a, where I would class a, a decent level at my age of yeah. teaching. Um, so those two things combined, and I just thought, if I don't do it now, uh, I'm going to either delay things or I'm going to be too old and that kind of thing. So it was a kind of like just don't think about it just do it you're never going to be prepared and also a lot of I say a lot a couple of people who are colleagues or associates of mine who have children have said exactly the same thing you're never going to be ready there's never going to be enough money it's never going to be the right time but it's just a child you know you can that child can come with you that is not a kind of I've had a child that's it my, my career is completely yeah. over so I went with that 
my career is not over just because I'm having a child. Yeah. And then it was kind of over. Because you you have to stop. You have to stop everything you do for a period of time. I left teaching because I couldn't teach anymore. I had no energy. I had to rest. So from that point, it's not like you, you know, I'm going to have a child but I can continue doing loads of stuff. No, you can't continue doing anything. Forget it for a while. And that's absolutely fine. It's trying to get back because you end up having a, 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 root, a mum routine that you're con- that's constantly changing, that you're constantly adapting to, and that little thing requires every single part of your attention and care. And the, the scenario, your own setup, really will affect what you are able to gain back once you've had a child, I think. Mm-hmm. I think so, some people are very lucky. They're surrounded by their friends and family. They're surround, they have a lot of support within the industry for them. Um, so therefore, they are able to get back to work, so to speak, quite easy. Especially when you're a, a physical teacher. I don't have that. I've never had that. Um, so, at the, at the, you know, I don't, I don't live with close to my friends and family. So for me, for example, if someone calls me and says, are you free to teach tomorrow? I need a cover teacher. I'm like, no, not unless she comes with me. Yeah. And that isn't, it's okay every now and again, but it's not professional, you know, and I'm fully aware of that. It's not acceptable for the student. It's not acceptable for, for the teacher to have a young baby who, again, requires your attention whenever they choose it, on demand. So you end up not being able to to cover. So your face isn't seen. So no one sees your work. No one sees your skill. Um, And then that happens again and again. No one sees your skill. No one sees your face. No one sees what you can can offer. And then that starts to build up. And then you're still sat at home thinking... I'm still trying to get back to work and I can't quite get there. Mm-hmm. Not that I think every establishment should have a creche or a nursery um, by any means, but surely there's got to be a, a better support network yeah. for, because as freelancers, you're here, there and everywhere. You're not just in one p- place. Um, a lot of the time I mean you might be there a couple of days but you're not there every single day so you travel around quite a bit and I mean me and Gage love travelling about we love getting on the train, we love getting on the bus we love walking around London, we love doing all of that but the job itself it becomes a huge huge weight because not only are you trying to teach you then got to organise the baby organise the food or make sure you haven't forgotten anything make sure she's behaving make sure they're being looked after then you've got to make sure that you're teaching at a level that you should be teaching at and you're maintaining that standard and then making sure that she's okay and she's not misbehaving and then going back to that and then by the time you go to bed at night you're so completely mentally and physically exhausted because that one job that you wanted to do that day has taken up over 24 hours because you started prepping for it the day before with Gage. So it's quite heavy going, but you do it because you love it and it's natural. You know, that's got to be done. I'm going to do that, so I've got to do all of this lot. 
in order to be able to achieve that. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely fine. That's just the way it is. But again, it's 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 getting back into the working system. It's getting back into a schedule, and it's getting it's being able to achieve that with being a mum. And that's super, super hard because you're just not available like you used to be. Mm. So you you miss out and you've got to accept it. You chose to have a child. That's absolutely fine. I accept it, but I want it. Mm. So I don't need to accept it and go, oh, I've accepted that, so I'm not going to do that anymore. No, 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 I'm going to accept that. But I'm going to try and find a way around it. Yeah. So... There's a lot of thinking and planning that goes on now, much more than before. But creatively, I had Gage and that went out the window. I'm really struggling with being creative at the moment, which is why I'm now doing a course, yeah. which actually is marvellous. It's really great. What course is it? I'm doing an artistic development course Amazing. Um, with the House of Jazz, which takes yeah. place at Onyx Studios. Um, it's their cycle three and personally for me I chose to do the course to do exactly that to just give my creative spark a bit of oomph again and not only to do something for myself to kind of kickstart my body again as well I mean I, I wasn't one of those lucky ones who had a child and then sprung back you know you, you get that comment of well you're a dancer you'll have you'll have a baby and it'll just all snap back into place <laughs> no my friend that doesn't happen that doesn't happen your my body has changed i've got hips that i never had before i can't turn out my back is gone so there's it, this this course for me is not only a bit of kind of mindfulness it's also finding my soul again yeah. and doing something that I love and just being taught is is joyful you know yeah. just just not just being able to stand and go yes I know all of this I know all of this but do you know what I'm going to do I'm going to apply it yeah and then I'm going to have fun and that's that's marvelous so I'm hoping that at the end of that course because I know the creativity is there I know it's in me yeah because I want to do it but it's been so lost that being back at work and doing the workshops that I've got running there are times when I feel like I'm 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 creating a movement for the sake of creating a movement I've got to make it interesting it's got to be appealing it's not naturally coming from me because I can't access it because and I don't, someone said to me recently but your mind is so taken up by being a mum that your creativity can't quite filter out of that because you're still in mum mode yeah so it's it, again I guess it's finding that breakthrough where I go it's having me time I know that sounds ridiculous and I hate that term but it's to be creative, you've got to be relaxed and open and free. I'm not relaxed and open and free. And I know that. So, in fact, my boyfriend said to me yesterday, I think this course might be doing you a lot more good than you initially thought it was going to. He said, I think it's having a bit more of an impact on your mental health than you expected it to. Mm. 
So I'm really keen to see how things are. I mean, I've got a workshop next week. After that, I've got another workshop next month. I'm really eager to see how that workshop next month, um, how that comes out yeah. after doing the course. That's great. I'm hoping it'll yeah. be amazing. It will be, it will yeah. be. So what do you think the industry can do more of then to support new mums and new families? It's difficult because if you're freelance, there is no support. It's not like you can go, okay, I'm pregnant. Um, I'm going to have to leave around this time, but please keep my job open for me because I really want to come back. Mm. Ultimately, your place, as in any job, needs to be filled. But if that person filling your place is quite happy and the, the, the facility is, in, is happy with what they're doing, you've lost your job. You can't go back to it. It's done. And that's just the way it is for freelancers. And you've got to accept that. But I wonder if there's... I'm not quite sure what can be done because that's, that's kind of like the freelance rule. That's what happens. Mm. You're in, you're out. You know, you, you, you take on a job. You, you don't teach there anymore for a while. You, your job isn't... isn't, isn't uh, it's not secure. And I think perhaps that, in fact, is what needs looking at. Perhaps some kind of security is needed mm-hmm. when you're freelance. Not necessarily so that, you know, your job is, is given back to you when you're ready for it, but could there be any support in just your involvement, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, okay, I can't give you that amount of classes, but I wonder what we can do to make up what, you know, what you used to do or the amount mm-hmm. of work that you used to do mm-hmm. or that kind of thing mm-hmm. is very difficult, I think when you're an employee um, and you get paid your salary you don't have to worry so much I mean don't get me wrong a friend of mine is worrying and she's she's in a salary paid job Um, Mm -hmm. but that's because of the options that are open to her whereas when you're freelance it's you've pretty much lost your job having a child so you really do have to start again I mean, I I have no idea what work I will have in September, if anything. So you you hope you hope that you you've built a, enough of a reputation, mm-hmm. um, for for people to go well. I know she's available now, so let's see if we can get her in. Mm-hmm. So you know, and and that that truly is what I hope. I hope yeah. that I my work is enough. Um, for, for people to invite me back because it's definitely I knew dance I knew dance kept me alive I knew it was what I loved I, I think it I think it's a, on a much greater level than I expected actually yeah, so I think it really does keep me alive you know I think it really does keep me grounded yeah and as it should I mean that's exactly what dance should do dance should be a release dance should be it is an expression so you know a technique aside you should be able to dance to let go, and I think that's what I think that's exactly what it's doing for me. Yeah, so it's like reconnecting with the dance. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I thought that would be the case, but I don't think, like I said, I don't think I realised how big that yeah. that might just be. I think I think mums give themselves a bit of a hard time as well because I, I think, 
it's easy to think, oh, I, well, I need to go straight back to doing this, mm. straight back to doing oh, that. 100%. But like, your body has been through the most ridiculous change that it could ever have done. Your mind and your entire life as well, and all your relationships mm. and everything have gone mm. through this massive change. And I think that it's okay to give yourself a bit of a break, the fact that it's not going to go back to this, not going to go back to that. But the fact that you're doing this course to re-spark that creativity yeah. proves that it's still yes. there inside of you and yeah. it's what you want to do. And you definitely fight with that. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, friends of mine who have recently become mums as well, you know, we're all kind of like, oh my God, yeah, oh my God, it's not just me. Because you, you, you fight with that idea. You fight with that. Certainly I did. I was like, I need to take time for myself. Yeah. People keep saying to me, take time. Enjoy that time in the early months of, of being a mum. Don't rush don't rush your body to all of a sudden have, you know, a six-pack again. Easy does it. Yeah. But then the other part of you is like, yeah, but I need to get on. I need to keep going. And this flabby bit of thing around my, you know, abdominal area that used to be pretty firm now jumps around when I jump around. That's not allowed. I must do Pilates. I must go and do some yoga. I must go and train. But then who's going to look after the baby? I'll look after your baby. Well, do you know what? (laughs) I I will take you up on that. (laughs) Please do. Yes, I will take you up on that. I think there just needs to be more like, like you said earlier, like a little crash or Mm. something. Like I know it's getting, I know there was a whole Twitter thing recently about bringing children to castings and it was supported and stuff Mm -hmm. like this and... You know, I know that the director from the Falsettos tour um, has realised there's actors who have children, so yeah. she's doing reduced hours, she's doing a month, um, not a month, a week in advance yeah. schedule to allow them time to sort out child Oh my God, like yes that. please, yeah. that's amazing. So it is, I feel like it is kind of recognised, I think it's even yeah. been recognised, but I don't think even before, like, I didn't know anything about it, nothing at all. You've just hit on something, and that is... The whole week in advance thing. Yeah. More notice. Mm. Yeah. Because you're unavailable, because you're not as available as... I mean, pre-gauge, if someone texts me on a Sunday night and says, could you cover at 9.30 tomorrow, is it all day? I'd be like, yeah, okay. I'll get up at five o'clock in the morning yeah. to do that. I can't do that now. Yeah. But if I'd been asked a week before... I mean, I, don't get me wrong, people phoning sick can't be helped. Yeah. But... If, I, if only I'd known a week before, I would have called nursery to see if they could have her for an yeah. extra day. Or mm-hmm. I would have asked the family if anyone was available to look after her. Yeah. You know, it's that... You can plan. It's that, it's exactly. Everything well. needs planning. Everything needs more time. Everything takes more time. But, but the, the difficulty is, is that that's not real life in this industry. Like I say, people phone up and go, I can't come in, I'm sick. Yeah. Well, they need cover then and there, not a week before. So there's no notice there. And that's the industry that we're in. But I, perhaps, it's, perhaps that simply can't be helped, but in other areas, perhaps yeah. a little bit more notice. Yeah. I mean, if someone... <laughs> again, as a teacher, you often get two weeks before term starts, right, here's your timetable. Which, again, is fine. But when you have a child, I mean, my nursery have already said, let us know when what you want for September. I've no idea when I'm working. Yeah, yeah. And won't know until mid-August. <clears throat> so you hope that there's space in nursery yeah. 
when your timetable comes through. So I guess a little bit, uh, perhaps an understanding that some of us could do with a little bit more notice for things would be wonderful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's a good, yeah. that's, that's, that could be really, really positive. Yeah. That could help a lot of people yeah. out. Yeah. I think if stuff like that, like what Scarlett's just said, becomes common practice, yeah. that directors and casting directors go, right, well, some of them could have families. Yes. Um, yeah. But also, like, directors be like, right, we've employed this person, they've got a kid, what can we do to make this a little bit easier? Right. Because, because I mean... I mean, I'm, I'm a planner, you know this, but like, if I'd be like, right, I want to do this on this day, this on this day, I can make this easier for this person yeah. and just make things a little bit... I don't think the industry needs to be so last minute. I understand why it is exactly. and why it happens. Yes. But I think that like little things can change yes. so that yeah. stress is avoided yeah. and that leads on to mental health, yeah. leads on to people's anxieties. Yeah. And Absolutely. then they're like, well, I can't work because I won't be able to get this time off. I won't be able to get this... Um, right. this cover yeah. and then that leads to like d- depression and anxiety yeah, yeah. yeah I, got, I mean yeah. most of my issue is I've got I, yeah. what do I do with the gauge mm-hmm. but if everyone had a travel cot mm-hmm. yeah. you'd bring a couple of toys with you you'd put the baby in the travel cot with those couple of toys and at least they're not they're contained they're not mm-hmm. going to run around they're not going to disrupt the class they might make a few noises they might cry you might have to give them a bottle but you can still vocally teach your yeah. students whilst you're feeding your baby a bottle. Absolutely. You can even breastfeed yeah. whilst you're teaching your students. Literally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, there you go. Go on Amazon, 50 quid, you've got yourself a travel cart, everyone's happy. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And even on that, like especially in drama schools, there is always someone free. Yeah. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. As long as yeah. obviously the parent trusted yeah, that absolutely. person yeah. for, for an hour. Oh, she has, like you say, our travel call, yeah, she'll just sit there, yeah. like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, yeah. There, yeah, I just think there's so many ways that it can be yeah. fit. It's just about all helping each other, I think. All helping each other, yeah. 100%. Yeah. I think there's, I think there's, people don't have time for babies yeah. in, in the working environment, you know, because they are disruptive. Mm-hmm. They are 100% disruptive. I mean, I'm seconds from getting in that taxi and she's filled her nappy. No, I'm not going to leave her with a pooey nappy Mm -hmm. just because I want to get in that cab. So the cabman has to wait. So that's ticking over, ticking over, ticking over. So they are very, very disruptive. And I think that you want, in a working environment, whatever industry you're in, you want to avoid that disruption. Mm -hmm. So like you say, a lot of things you, you understand... But I think by talking and working together, there's got to be ways in which you can manage mm-hmm. and support yeah. that. I mean, to think that there are... I mean, I don't audition. I, I, that's, not, that's not me. I don't need to audition. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be there. Yeah. Um, but it shouldn't stop for people just because they have a child. Yeah. It shouldn't be that hard. So the fact that that you know they are now saying you know, do you know what bring the kids bring 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 the baby that's absolutely fine is wonderful like even just talking about it yeah you know like open dialogue okay, yeah it's fine. Oh, yes absolutely do you know what I mean? absolutely yeah. but i still do think that i've lost jobs before because i've said i've just had a baby i did go for a, a teaching job and she was only four five months 
but this would be I would have started the job when she was like six months Mm -hmm. but I do think because I know I did a decent job but I do think that as soon as I said oh yeah she's she's four months or five months or whatever she was in the back of their minds they were like oh god unreliable unreliable we're not gonna be able to rely on her she's gonna phone in and the baby's gonna be sick or whatever so we better you know let's choose someone who's reliable okay again I understand but that's not necessarily the case would you um just for any kind of new moms or pregnant women or families um what are your kind of tips for you know being a creative and having a child just from your experience I would I would definitely say I mean I, I wasn't in a position I'm not in a position where I can easily go I want to do I mean my my I mean, Gage's dad runs his own business, therefore he is that business. Yeah. And it takes up a lot of his time at the moment. It's a very busy time. Uh, lots of changes for them, which has been absolutely marvellous. But the downside of that is, is that he's not always around when, when I need him. Um, and so I would definitely, which isn't his fault, but I would definitely say try and... I mean, people said it to me loads when I was pregnant, and that is, make sure you ask for help. Make sure there's people around you. Make sure you you get adult time. And I would definitely say, try and build that network around you so that you're, you know, if, if someone does say to you, are you free to cover tomorrow at all? You've got people that you can call on and say, do you mind watching them? while I go and do this because this could lead to something yeah. where and or perhaps have an agreement where you go you know if you do have if you do have a partner or you're on your own or whatever your scenario make sure you give yourself time to do something for yourself I mean if you're London based make sure you've got time to go and do a class even if it's just one class a week you do but it's that class that you really enjoy mm-hmm. go and do it if it's Pilates, yoga, swimming, tennis, whatever it may be, go for a walk. Make sure you give yourself time to do that. Make sure you're in an environment where you can leave the house and go for a walk on your own, or with the baby in the pram asleep. Yeah. You can just, I mean, my friend used to take her, uh, her little one uh, for a walk with earphones in. So she was listening to her own music, just a bit of her time. She was just pushing a pram while she was doing it. Yeah. Make sure you make sure you give yourself time to yourself. Not a bath. Mm-hmm. Get out. Do something. Because that is what keeps some element of you alive and some spark of creativity alive because you're able to be inspired. Yeah. You know, I keep seeing shows that are going on, the end of year shows, and I'm like, oh, I really want to go to that. I can't because I know that night won't work. And and obviously you have that issue with money. Yeah. Financial support. Forget it if you're self-employed. It's not going to happen. Good luck to you. But having that extra money, I want to go and see that show. And I, yes, I've got the time. I can do that because I know that I can have someone to look after Gage. Can't afford it. And baby comes first. So it's, it, there's a lot of there's a lot of um, obstacles that you have to work around and, and, and try and manipulate so that you can do things. But it's very important that you do. Very important that you do. Mm. You know, people say things like, "Make sure you have date night." Actually, yeah. yeah. 
you actually do need to do that. Yeah. I mean, we rarely do. But we, when we do, we go, we really need to make this a regular thing. This needs to be a monthly thing. Yeah. So I think for your own sanity, it's very important that you, you give yourself time for yourself. Yeah, amazing. So what are the best things about being a mum and how has having a baby and creating a family helped your mental health? Can I be truthful? Yeah. It hasn't helped my mental health. If I go, if, I, if I'm very honest, my experience has not been particularly enjoyable um, from bit from falling pregnant. I didn't enjoy being pregnant. I think anyone in our kind of industry struggles to find enjoyment in their body yeah, changing and they can't control it. Um, or, you know, they can't do that kick that they did yeah. a couple of months ago. That's quite daunting. That's quite like, whoa, I don't think I like this. Um, but yeah, I, I, my experience has not been great. And I would say that first year, I mean, she literally turned one and I was like, yes, <laughs> it's gone. I don't have to sterilize anymore. Uh-huh. I don't have to, you know, we can start doing real food. Like the, the, the pressure that was lifted on her first birthday was unreal. Yeah. But I, I think it's, it definitely has made me more anxious. As soon as I took her home from hospital, I became very anxious again. Um, the, the problem with, with, with a young baby is that they can't communicate with you. And I think that's what I struggled with the most. That first year, I mean now, well, she can't talk, but she can communicate. Yeah. And she's starting, I'm starting to be able to do that with her, engage what she wants, what she's trying to ask for, whether she's happy or sad. Blah, blah, blah. Whereas when they're a tiny little thing, you're literally like, I don't know. I don't know what you need, what you want. So you go through all these different, is it nappy? Is it this? Is it that? Um, you kind of eliminate to try and figure out what the source of, of, of the problem is. And I think that is what didn't help the anxiety because you're anxious all the time. You know, because you, you're constantly on your guard. You don't know what to do. Are they okay? La, 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 la. So your brain is whizzing around. And where I live is, we live in the country, so, I mean, glorious if you drive, but I don't. And there's no path where we live. So I have to get a taxi anywhere, which costs a lot of money, which means I have to ask Matt for money, which puts pressure on him, which makes me feel really, um, I mean, I'm very independent. So asking someone for help, nah. It doesn't sit right with me. You know, I should be able to survive by myself. So constantly going, we're, we're going to group today. Can you give me some taxi money? You know, is it, it doesn't, I don't like it. It makes me feel very, um, oh, what's the word? I don't, I, I don't like relying on yeah. people. So I, I, it's not a nice feeling at all. So as far as mental health that alongside worrying about money and what has to be paid for and the fact that I still have bills I need to pay for um you know and then you're looking for work but in order to get that work you need to pay money to get there it's like being a student again but you've also got a baby to look after so they are a constant worry 
and I'm told regularly that they you will not stop worrying about that child until well never actually you just won't ever stop worrying about them it hasn't done me any favors and I love Gage the is, the issues that I have mentally um, are nothing to do with Gage yeah. it's the repercussions of having her that's the problem um, so whenever I've talked about my mental health the first thing people say is you know what's your relationship with Gage like yeah. mm-hmm. that's absolutely fine we don't have a problem there but yeah. your whole world is completely ripped from underneath you spun around like you know you're, you're whipping a towel in the air and then just flung and you've got to try and you know pick that up ring it out flatten it out again you know it's it's completely and it, the, the whole time you're trying to get through your day to day and be a normal person okay. and get that washing done get some food on the table make that phone call to the doctors you know so much goes on certainly in that first year that you thought you were ready for you thought you knew what was coming but my god you had no idea mm. it's such a uh, for any for anyone for any new mum it's a smack in the face but I think if you've already if you already suffer with a bit of anxiety or depression or any kind of mental health um, issue it just escalates mm. it just escalates guess it's not even spoke about isn't it because I know obviously there's like the everything's great blah 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 then there's the postnatal depression yeah but I guess like there's that in between that just nobody yeah talks about no I I think but I think that is postnatal depression yeah I think with postnatal depression the the small I mean I know not very much but from friends that I've spoken to from mum friends that I've spoken to Postnatal depression can be from one extreme to the other. Mm. At any point within that kind of baby toddler age, even even before, I've heard of it recently that it's it's not postnatal; it's prenatal, mm. which I wasn't aware was a thing. Um, but I think what we do as human beings, we go, no, it can't, it can't be that because I. It's not extreme. I'm not thinking suicidal thoughts. I'm not thinking this. I'm not thinking yeah. that. So I must be okay. This must be normal. And also, a lot of people will go, it's normal what you're going through. I mean, relationship-wise, it's normal. Really? I mean, is it normal to hate him? And want to smash his face in? <laughs> you know, and, and then they go, yeah, yeah, that's all normal. You know, so you you start to tell yourself that what you're feeling is normal and just to get on with it, so don't say anything. Mm. But I did say on numerous occasions to my health visitor, some days I feel okay and some days I really don't feel okay. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's kind of, we'll self-refer, I'll ask you a few questions, we'll, we'll, we'll put you on the waiting list for this. Nothing, I'm telling you, nothing came of that. Mm. nothing nothing has come of that and people will say to you you know where we are I'm talking to a different person every time so I have to relate everything to a different person every time 
you get tired of going through you get yeah. tired of that so you just don't do it anymore Thank you for being so honest with that. Yeah, absolutely. That was really important that people hear that. Absolutely. For sure. Right, final question. Oh, God. Could you walk into a room today and say, I'm having a bad mental health day? Yes. Great. Yeah. That is the Boom. best yeah. answer we've ever yeah. had. I'm totally open. Right. We filmed that so we could see. <laughs> I <laughs> love it. Amazing. <laughs> Wow. Um, okay, so we always finish off with a game. We start with a game, we finish off with a okay. game. This is finish the sentence. Oh, bloody hell. So, <laughs> the first thing I do when I wake up in the morning is... Think, oh, God. <laughs> I, I do that. Yeah. <laughs> My ideal holiday destination is... Somewhere warm and quiet. A book I would recommend to everyone is... Chocolate by Joanne Harris. Ooh. Is there chocolate in the book? No. <laughs> Did you get a free chocolate but, bar? <laughs> I'm wondering whether I should have said chocolate. Oh, chocolate. Not chocolate, but... Chocolate. Um, my fave Netflix watch is... Oh, God, now we're talking something else here. I could, okay. I could say loads. You can list your top five if you want. Sons of Anarchy. Um... Oh, I can't think. I mean, I watched Breaking Bad and was... Mm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That, obsessed. Yeah, that's yeah. that's totally obsessed. But that's probably... I think that's Sons it. Up. Those two. Sons of Anarchy and Breaking Bad. During sleepless nights, I often <laughs> think about... <laughs> what I could do to progress in oh. my career. Mm. The best thing about being a parent is... Watching them grow. Oh. And my favourite style of dance is? <laughs> mm, difficult. I'm a bit of an all-rounder. To dance or to what? Both. Oh, God. To choreograph and to dance personally. Contemporary. I miss your contemporary yeah, classes. I think it has to be contemporary. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank, Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Industry Minds. If you're interested in our counselling services, please email mary at industryminds.co.uk. For all other inquiries, please email info at industryminds.co.uk. Make sure you subscribe and follow us on social media at industrymindsuk. You can find out about all our future guests and our future events on there. Thank you so much for listening and we will see you next week. Goodbye!